0: Everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parks III, better known as RP3.
1: Oh, good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your refreshed, revitalized big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts the Third. Inside the game studios. What? That's right. Back, baby. Ready to give you three hours of tremendous sports talk. Here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Woo. Survived SEC media days. Got back home safely. Secured. Spent some necessary time with the fam. They missed the big, bald, and beautiful one. The producer extraordinaire did not. She's shaking her head. She's not really disgusted with yours, truly. What she's disgusted about is that she's looked on the rundown and realizes that we have to discuss her formerly known as the hottest team in Major League Baseball being swept over the weekend by the Houston Astros. So she's going to be a little what we call, my daughter would call, grumpy pants today. (laughs) Little grumpy pants. After being swept, didn't even get one game? Not, not one? That's not optimal. Somehow, Kevin, though, will make you feel good about it. We didn't play our best. You're going to get us this next time. Yeah, yeah. Just because we swept you, that means you're going to sweep us in the final series at the end of the month. He'll come up with something, and you'll be like, Kevin, that, that sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. I think it was comforting. Don't forget, Kevin is a father. So he knows how to have these conversations. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today. Jeff Palermo will join us at 730. Our friend from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio. We're going to talk all things LSU and SEC with him. Recap media days and look ahead to fall camp. At 8 o'clock, he's been on vacation, deserving so. The Voice. Of the Raging K Jones. Mr. Jay Walker will be joining us to preview Sunbelt Conference Media Days, which is tomorrow and Wednesday down in New Orleans. Of course, we'll be broadcasting RP3 and Company, Footnotes, and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. All three shows will be live and local from the Hotel Sheraton. There for Sunbelt Media Days. We already got our lineup set for you. Jam-packed coaches interview out the wazoo. Even got the commissioner stopping by. Of course, all of our Sunbelt Media Day coverage is brought to you by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. We'll get more to what we're going to be doing there Tuesday and Wednesday down in New Orleans. And then finally, this is going to be a good one too. Sometimes... Your journey to playing college football takes an, I don't know, unconventional approach. You take a different pathway. Hayden Cormier is that young man. All-district, all-state performer for Ascension Episcopal didn't get any offers. For some, for, for whatever reason, despite being wildly productive, fell through the cracks but he gets an opportunity to play college ball as a preferred walk-on at Nichols. Young man's going to swing by the studio. We're going to talk about his career, his journey, and how excited he is to leave home to go play college football or get the chance to play college football down in Thibodeau. So that's who we got. Jeff Palermo at 7.30, Jay Walker at 8 o'clock, and Hayden. At 830. Of course, we will take your phone calls. We want to hear from you. I'm talking Doug. I'm talking Doc. I'm talking Marton. I'm talking Jamie. I'm talking halftime. Darren, whoever wants to hit us up on the hotline, you know the number. It's saved in your phone. Give us a holler. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. 706 0111. But we're going to lead off today's show talking a little Houston Astros baseball.
2: Woo.
1: Hottest team in baseball was the Seattle Mariners. That was until they ran into the Houston Astros. The Astros not only sweep the Mariners. Not only do they snap the 14-game winning streak, they sweep Seattle. They do so in Seattle, which is a part that really kind of stands out to me. Of course, we know Verlander owns the Mariners, so you can't be too surprised on Saturday that the Strohs won that game, right? Because Verlander's career against the Mariners is the stuff that makes nightmares for Mariners fans. But they had the chance on Saturday. Verlander gets in trouble late. No one warming up in the pen. They load the bases, remember? Bases are juiced Saturday. In a tight game, that was not a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. And then he gets out of the jam. And when he just celebrates walking off the mound, fist pumping, and you're like, that's game over. Mariners had their chance right there. And they couldn't get to the Cy Young Award winner. And you're like, that's over. They win the game, which means they win the series. And then on Sunday, they go for the sweep. And they didn't play their best game. Once again. Did not play their best game. But they went at eight to five. Sweep the Mariners in a three game series at T Mobile Park. And they now won five straight, including sweeping the Yankees in a doubleheader back on Thursday. That's how they started the all star break. The team with the best record in baseball, they swept them in a doubleheader. The hottest team in Major League Baseball had one fourteen straight, they sweeped them on the road. They lead the American League West now by 13 games. 13. Ooh. 13 games. And here's the thing. They're not going to be able to keep up this pace for the rest. But not only do they lead the American League West, which is less of a big deal here. They've caught the Yankees for the best overall record in baseball. They're only a game and a half back. That's it. That's all. That's all that separates. And it feels like New York really, really, really needs to have home field advantage through the American League playoffs. But I don't think it matters to the the Astros. I think it matters to the Yankees more. I don't think it matters to the Astros. I just don't think it does. Yesterday, the Stros start off fast. Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena hit back-to-back home runs off of Robbie Ray to begin the game, and the Astros roughed up the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner in the 8-5 victory to complete the sweep over the Mariners. Martin Maldonado you know you're in bad shape if you're the Mariners when the best catcher in Major League Baseball who can't hit the side of a barn drives in three runs. That's when you just turn off the television. You go, you know, uh, it's not, it's not our day. And did so from the number nine spot, the worst hitting spot in the lineup, and he drives in three runs. All-star, left-handed Framer Valdez took a shutout into the seventh inning. He picks up his ninth win of the season. Strohs win their fifth straight and increase their lead to 17 games over second place Seattle. And Ray won the Cy Young Award last year, right? He's eight and seven this year. What happened? That could be the difference there for Seattle making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be one of the wild card teams. But if they struggle down the stretch, their supposed ace, not even playing up to average standard, it's going to be a huge, huge role in that. And the tone was set yesterday with the very first pitch, right? Ray was tagged for six runs and ten hits in just three innings. If your reigning Cy Young award winner can only go three innings, not your day at the ballpark. Altuve sent the first pitch of the game into the left field. Bleachers Pena followed with his 14th home run of the season. The rookie sensation and the Astros were off and running. It was Altuve's 30th career leadoff home run. He leads the majors this season with eight. Of course, Altuve afterwards said he thought Pena's home run was even better. Even Yuli Gurriel got into the action, scoring on a fielder's choice in the third inning. The Mariners, meanwhile, are going to be looking on how to get things back on track. And mind you, the Astros did this After Presley had been out, he came back yesterday through a clean inning in the ninth, but he'd been out their closer during the stretch. He'd been out on paternity leave because his wife had their baby. Presley has retired now 30 consecutive batters dating back to June 25th, which sets a brand new Houston Astros franchise record. Strohs are going to look to keep it going. Going to begin a three-game set tonight in Oakland, Oaktown. Early first pitch, 840. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like late baseball. I wonder who's going to co- complain about the West Coast baseball. Wait about three hours. <laughs> you'll, you, you'll hear him complain about it. But Astros sweep the hottest team in baseball had 114 straight at their place. And before that on Thursday, they took both games of the twin bill against the New York Yankees, who had the best team in Major League Baseball. So our poll question of the day, we could easily say, are the Houston Astros the best team in baseball? And many of you, because you're Houston Astros fans, Would go right after it. We tweaked it a little bit here. Who's the best team in Major League Baseball not named the Astros? Is it the Yankees? Is it the defending World Series champion Braves? Is it the New York Mets? Who are actually leading the Braves in the NL East? Or is it the Los Angeles Dodgers? Right now, 46% of you say the Los Angeles Dodgers. 27% say Yankees. 27% say Bravos. No votes yet for the Metropolitans. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. It's a family show, people. It's a family show. Let's keep it that way, shall we? We got to take a timeout. How are we doing, five names? I got two thumbs up. She's not talking to me because I had to mention the Mariners in the first segment. But she will later on, hopefully. Hopefully. Right now, she's in the dark, too, by the way. She's in in mourning of of her team getting swept over the weekend. She's pointing up to the sky, asking God, why? Why did you make me get swept over the weekend? Why did you make my team get swept over the weekend? Now she's slouching down in her chair to hide just hoping the segment's over (sighs) proud of you you made it through opening segments in the books when we come back here at rp3 and company major league baseball hall of fame ceremony big poppy led the way we'll talk about it next right here on the game 1037 lafayette 104 one lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and
0: you're home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Oh, if you haven't become a member of our clubhouse, you need to do so today. Let's make today, July 25th, the day you become a member of our clubhouse. Become part of the Rewards Club. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. What more do you need besides the Seattle Mariners not being swept? What more do you need? Here's the deal. Fellas, listen up. Now I know gas prices are going down a little bit. That makes things a little bit easier for this summer. But back to schools right around the corner, which means you're going to be spending a ton of money on school supplies, right? There's always something to be spending your money on. You'd like to take your lady out for a good time, but you can't do so right now. A little tight on cash. Not to worry. The game wants to hook you up to help you with your date night blues. We got a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse in our Rewards Club. It's just waiting for you. It's got your name on it. We got a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also in our Rewards Club. And a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. They're all right there waiting for you to win them. That way you can take your lady out, show her how much you appreciate her. But you can only score those great restaurant giveaways by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. So go sign up. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. Go visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can sign up today so we can help you with your date night blues. Poll question of the day. Besides the Houston Astros, who's the best team in Major League Baseball right now? of you say the Los Angeles Dodgers. Still 27% apiece for the Yankees. Oh, we have changes. We have votes. Live radio here, people. Live radio. 35% say Dodgers. 35% say the Yankees. 24% say the Braves. 6% for the Mets. We have a Mets vote. Someone has voted for the Metropolitans. JPK, the OD, says, if you must exclude the Mariners from your list, I will go with the Mets. Better to be swept now than in the playoffs. We shall meet again. The M's will creep back on them like a trash panda after a half-eaten corn dog. He <laughs> shared a gif of a big old fat cat trying to sneak up on a actual. <laughs> it's a raccoon. It's a raccoon. I just now watched it. First of all, why there's a raccoon in this person's kitchen? Who has pets rac? Who has a pet raccoon? I love JPK the OD's enthusiasm. Positivity. Love it. Sweep doesn't mean that's the end of the season. Bounce back, Mariners. Bounce back, five names. Cheer on the teal to victory. Get them back on track. Still in the hunt for the wild card. And just remember, even after you were swept over the weekend, you're still in better shape than the Red Sox. Boston looks like they're in a tailspin they can't get out of. They look awful. What happened to the Red Sox? They're having historic meltdowns in games. You're just like, whoa. Boston is not 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 having good times right now. They're just not. They are what we like to call struggling. Struggling. Hey, real quick on the strows. I meant to mention this earlier. Altuve did hit his thirtieth lead off home run today. That he now has eight. On the season that leads the big leagues, but he becomes only the third Astros player ever to reach the milestone. Only Craig Biggio with 53 and Springer Dinger, George Springer, 39 have more. You feel like Altuve will probably definitely catch George Springer, whether or not, whether or not he catches Craig Biggio. uh, That's a different story. Also. Before yesterday's game, the Astros were sixty three and thirty two. Right? Sixty three and thirty two. Do you know what the Houston Astros best record through ninety five games in franchise history is? It was sixty three and thirty two in two thousand seventeen and now two thousand twenty two. What'd they do in two thousand seventeen? They won the World Series. Uh, just saying. Lance McCullers Jr. is coming back too. They still don't have Michael Brantley Jr. back either. Just saying. Just saying. Just pay attention. The Stros or something else. The Red Sox over the weekend... This was a few days ago. This is how historically bad Boston has become in a quick amount of time. The Red Sox had a negative 47 run differential over their last three games. (laughs) This was on Saturday. The worst over a three-game span in the modern era, which dates back to 1900. 1900. It's the fourth worst run differential in Major League Baseball history and the worst since the Louisville Colonels, as we all remember. Back in 1894, that's how bad the Red Sox are right now, that they're accomplishing things that have not been accomplished since the 1890s. Oh, Boston. Boston. which made yesterday so great for Red Sox fans because they finally had something to cheer on. That, of course, was David Ortiz becoming the first career designated hitter to be selected on the first ballot. So a couple interesting things there. Ortiz was a career DH. Some guys are in the Hall of Fame that played other positions than were moved to DH or split time between designated hitter and others. But Big Poppy was always DH. So he becomes the first career designated hitter to be selected on the first ballot, which means first time up on the ballot, he got, he got voted in. So he also becomes just the latest star from the Dominican Republic to be do- inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, joining, of course his former teammate, Pedro Martinez, which was nice kind of portion of that. Plus, Big Poppy also did his acceptance speech yesterday from Cooperstown uh, by both English and Spanish, which was nice that he got to uh, do that both ways. But, of course, you know, Poppy, three World Series championships helped turn Boston around, part of the idiots group that they had. That's what they nicknamed themselves before anyone gets offended. Of course, he was part of the team that came back from three games to one on the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. They go on to win the World Series. He joins his longtime friend and former teammate, Pedro Martinez, Vlad Guerrero, Sr., as Dominican-born players to be enshrined into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So a great moment for the Red Sox, and they've needed that great moment yesterday at Cooperstown and remembering all the good times because it's been nothing but bad times of recent – recently for Boston, who – Looked like a playoff team. Looked like a great team. They have dropped now down to 48 and 48 overall on the season. They're a full 17 and a half games back of the Yankees. They've gone 1 and 9 in their last 10. They're in danger. The Red Sox are in danger right now of being surpassed by the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are only a half game behind them in the standings. Boston's going to drop down to being the bottom feeder in the AL East. And they have played themselves out of wildcard contention right now. Blue Jays, Tampa Bay, Seattle, despite being swept by the Astros, the Mariners are firmly entrenched there in the wildcard race. They're currently in third. And then the Cleveland Guardians... Are there in fourth through the American League wild card race? Poor Red Sox. Things have gone sideways in a hurry. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Randall, to the show. Randall, good morning to you, bud. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning. How's it going? It's going well, bud. How about you? I'm
3: doing great. I'm heading out to uh, uh, central Louisiana to do a job. I'll
1: so. oh, shout out to <laughs> Sinla.
3: I have, a, I have a, you know, I, I watched the um, the baseball game uh, Saturday night baseball game Dodgers and San Francisco, and let me tell you, uh, Dodgers have a good team. I, I see them in, in the World Series at the end of the year. Uh, good pitching staff, good batting. Uh, the, the, they wore those blue solid blue uniforms, which are hideous.
1: Oh yeah, that, that, they got to stop
3: doing that. They yeah. they were bad.
1: Yeah, just they they they, they have such look. Uh, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but they have such a classic look. Just play, just, Right, wear your classic iconic jerseys. You don't need to be one of these teams that has all the alternate uniforms. Sorry, you just don't need to. That's
3: that's like Boston. I love you know. I went to Fenway Park. I watched Boston the year the year they won the the World Series, and that would be like them changing their their uniforms. It's classic. You you just don't do it, you know. I have another question. So, about a week, week and a half ago, I was scrolling through Netflix, I think it was, or whatever. And I saw, I decided to watch a movie, uh, Home Field. You're familiar with that, right?
1: I've heard of it. I have not watched it. Tell me more. My
3: God. All I want to know is, did Sean Payton approve this? Because this was idiot. Oh, yeah. This (laughs) This was so bad, I turned it off before the end. It made him look like an idiot. They had so many stupid well, you got things. Kevin James playing him, right I mean that's the whole thing well that's the well Adam was the the director, so I mean <laughs> go figure but they had it, it, it was it was so like nothing can be accurate or furthest from the truth that was in that movie they had a thing where uh, uh uh Rob Snyder it plays his ex-wife's husband who's a just nut gives all the kids some kind of burrito something and they all throw up on the field it was like a throw-up fest it was so over the top it's it just the whole movie was it was bad <laughs> and I was I, I, I'd love to get Sean Payton's take on it because it was hideous I mean I couldn't believe it I turned it off
1: <laughs> so Ronald what you're telling me is that I have not got around to watching it yet uh, uh, so, when, I, when I saw the trailer, it, it, it's home team. Home team is what you're thinking of. Yeah. So home team, yeah. When, when I saw the trailer, I was like, no, no, none of that. No, that's that. That looks, that looks awful. It's
3: bad. <laughs> it's looks really awful. bad. I, I thought it'd be at least, you know, you know, at least believable a little bit. But they made him look out to be like a, a selfish idiot.
1: There uh, we go. He
3: may be. I don't know. But it was just bad. I, I, it was really bad. <laughs>
1: Appreciate the phone call, brother. Hopefully, right. your next Netflix movie yeah, will be far more enjoyable. All right. Bye. See you, bud. <laughs> he, did, he said he couldn't even finish watching it. He's like, nah, none of that. I mean, none of that. I've. Ruddle R- 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 was angry at himself for watching that. He's like, en- enough of that. Too much. Too much. We're going to take a timeout. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Who do you believe the best team in Major League Baseball is? Not named the Houston Astros. We want to hear from you. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But when we return, we're going to go back to last week. While we're at SEC Media Days in Atlanta, the Southland Conference held their Media Days. McNeese took the podium. New coach Gary Goff. We're going to hear from him. That's all coming up next right here on rp3 and company you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
0: there are two types of sports reporters those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players and here's our game plan then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and pat O's. we're going You guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Oh, you can score yourself a brand new Apple Watch by Simpy. Well, let's try that again. Let's try that again, shall we? You can score a brand-new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 104 One Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand-new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our new text club. That's right. It's brand-new, shiny, right out of the box. Simply text the word GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337 337- 2838100 once you join you'll be eligible to score yourself a brand new Apple Watch plus you'll have tons of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets concert tickets and more it's the games text club find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com once again simply text the word game to 337-283-8100. Southland Conference held their media days last week. Unfortunately, we were unable to be there while we were in Atlanta for SEC media days, but we're going to share with you what new head coach Gary Goff had to say. Lots of buzz about him bringing the air raid system to Lake Chuck. And when they took to the podium there at Le Berge, for Southland Conference Media Days, Gary was able to touch on a slew of different topics. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about and prides himself about is making sure he can do what he needs to do as the head coach, as the leader of the football program, to get the people of Lake Charles pumped up about this program yet again.
4: Well, I, I can tell you you've got stability. I mean, I, I'm here. I'm here for the long haul. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, Lake Charles is a very special place. But I, I can tell you this. They're, they're going to enjoy watching the brand of football we're playing. We're going to be tough. We're going to have the right attitude. And we're going to be disciplined. Those are our values, right, men? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, so we, we, we talk about that on a daily basis. But um, it's going to be exciting brand of football. We're going to attack on both sides. Obviously, the air raid gets a lot of attention because we like to put the ball in the air and, and, and press it downfield. But uh, on the defensive side, I want the same thing. I want a lot of pressure on that side of the ball as well. So we're, we're going to play an exciting brand of football. And, and I can promise you this, our young men, uh, they're, they're going to be very disciplined, very respectful. They're going to know that it's a special, it's an honor to play football here at McNeese. And it's an honor to pack that stadium.
1: Look, you got to love his enthusiasm. Meeting him in person, talking to him on the air and just meeting him, hes a he's got great energy. And look, He's proven that he can win. He knows football. He knows offensive football, for one. And for the McNeese Cowboys, even before the Hurricanes hit, even before Lord devastated the area, the program offensively had been down. They they weren't as dynamic as they were when Cody Stroud was their starting quarterback, which was, what, I guess 10 years ago? So here's a guy... That's going to bring a level of excitement and energy back to the program. And look, their big focus is not trying to do this with smoke and mirrors, not try to just go out there and put something on the field to make people excited, but try to build the program from the ground up. That way you can have sustained success for years to come.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, me and Heath Schroer can write a book one day about that experience, you know, uh, from the moment, leaving the national championship game, coming here. Um, But, you know, it's all about culture, you know, and, you know, Valley State's got a rich tradition, won a lot of championships, but they've had the right culture there. And and that's since day one, that's what we've been trying to develop here, Um, and and it's a process, right? It's not going to happen overnight but very proud of our our players. Uh, They've done a phenomenal job on embracing what we're doing. They've been very excited about the change. They understand there's going to be some challenges, uh, you know, day in doubt to that. But, you know, it's about these young men holding themselves accountable and then holding their teammates accountable and and expecting to go out there and win, not hoping
1: to win. And uh, that's part of the process. Key, what he said there. Expecting to win, not hoping to win. That's the biggest challenge any coach has when they take over a program. And that's the same challenge Brian Kelly has at LSU and Coach Des has with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Is getting guys to buy into what you're doing and and especially if you're having to change the culture like Kelly's doing at LSU and what golf has to do at, at McNeese. When a program hits a rough spot, a rough patch. After a few seasons, if you're just treading water and you're not doing well, players will start to hope that they can beat better teams instead of believing that they can beat a better team. That's dangerous. And that's, that, that's a coach's biggest challenge. That's going to be Golf's biggest challenge. That's going to be Kelly's biggest challenge is getting the team to buy in that they truly believe that they can win. Not that they hope they can win, because when you hope you can win, you're, 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 de- you're already partially defeated because you, you already admit that winning the game in front of you or defeating the opponent in front of you is, has, a, has an air of impossibility about it. So that's why you're hoping you'll win. Getting them to believe that they expect to win, that they will win, is any coach, especially a new coach, taking over a program that's been so-so, that's been down, that's their biggest challenge. Coach Goff was asked, what are right now, as it stands in July, what's this team's, the, the program's biggest strength, and also what's their biggest challenge heading into fall camp?
4: Well, I, I think the strength of this team is, um, you know, a, a lot of the players are hungry. You know, they, they, they really accepted the change. They wanted the change. You know, there's story after story that I've met with some of these young men. I mean, the first time we had a leadership meeting in my office, they were kind of on eggshells. They hadn't been in that office before. Uh, you know, so um, they, they understand it, it's all about building trust between the players, each other, and the coaching staff. And, and they know that, um, you know, if, if we're all in this together with the same mission, the sky's the limit. You know, why not us? You know, why not? Uh, We also understand we're going to be the underdog on almost every game this year, and that's okay, too. It's okay. It's part of the process. But um, we're going to attack one day at a time, one game at a time, and we're going to spend all of our energy and our focus on the
1: Cowboys. I like that. I like what he has to say there. And once again, you can't be not impressed with what you hear when you meet him in person or, or you talk to him over the phone. Yeah, This guy has the right attitude. I can see how he's going to get kids to buy into what he's doing. Now, you can have mantras. You can have everything like that. You can change mentalities, establish a culture. But it comes down to players, and do you have enough of them, right? And a big question mark for McNeese heading into the season is, How good is the offensive line? How good is the defensive line? And just how important that is to the team's success?
4: It's very important. It all starts up front on both sides of the ball. I don't care how good your quarterback is, your receiver, anybody, it starts up front. Um, In spring ball, Calvin was the only starter that went through spring ball. The other four starters are on the sideline rehabbing from an injury or whatnot. So, uh, again, why camp is so exciting for us coaches is we've got a healthy team now. It'll be exciting to get out there and work with those offensive linemen. But, um, no, it's, it's very important that we got depth up front.
1: Very important that they have depth up front, which they need. Once again, program down with numbers, even under Frank Wilson trying to recruit to get that back up for a couple of seasons. Not where it needs to be. So they know that, It's going to be a transitional year in Lake Charles because they're going to have to build up the depth and the talent on that roster. And then one more from Coach Gary Goff before we have to hit a timeout. Cordy Orgeron, look, great leader. At times played the quarterback position pretty well. But he's gone. He's moved on to coaching. It's a wide open competition. They got a couple transfers in there battling out, a couple high school kids. That's yet to be decided. That will likely be decided by the end of fall camp, who's going to be the starting quarterback for the McNeese Cowboys. And he talked about the gentlemen, the young men in that quarterback room.
4: Well, I mean, uh, Knox has got some talent to him, without a doubt. Uh, He won 40 straight games in high school, uh, back-to-back state championships in Georgia, and and ran our offense. He ran the air raid offense in in high school. Walker Woods is a a quarterback that's already on campus when we got here, a transfer from University of Kentucky. Played some receiver last year, but he's been at quarterback since I've been here, and he leads... with a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and and then we got uh, Cam Ransom, uh, transfer from Georgia Southern, got three years left as well. That's a dual threat quarterback and brings yet another element. Um, but you know, a lot of people have asked, "Hey, who's your starter? Who's going to be?" We don't know that obviously yet, but it's going to be who can protect the football, who's going to be able to take those uh, shots downfield and make big plays for us. But you got to bring.
1: It's going to be a battle, and we really have no idea who is going to be but i can tell you this it's going to be whoever can run his offense the best way and it, it it may not be the quarterback that we all think it could be it's going to be it's going to be the guy golf trust right first year head coach who does he trust the most and that's who's going to end up being the starter for the cowboys in the fall we got to take a time out we'll wrap up our number 1 Here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. In advance, we end up staying on the cusp of of new things, new training.
5: It definitely helps our employees grow in their craft skills.
0: Learn more at laworks.net slash IWTP. This message sponsored by the Louisiana Workforce Commission. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. But when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So we're going to use humor. But we don't want to insult your intelligence, so nothing too goofy. And we need to avoid any polarizing topics. Oh, and it has to be about how you can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. You know what? Maybe humor is a bad idea. Yeah, it's never going to work. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.
1: check in on the poll question of the day shall we we asked you who's the best team in major league baseball not named the houston astros astros began the second half of the season by taking a twin bill away from the yankees who had the best team best record in major league baseball they did that on thursday then they turned around and snapped the 14-game winning streak for the Seattle Mariners, who were the hottest team in baseball, and then swept them in Seattle. So we know the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. We've been saying that all season long, one of the top two best teams in baseball. But who's the best team in Major League Baseball that's not named the Houston Astros? 33% of you say it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. 30% say it's the Pinstripers, the New York Yankees. 26% say the Atlanta Braves, While 11% of you say the New York Mets. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. That's going to do it for our number one of this in-studio edition of RP3 and Company. But don't get too spoiled because we'll be back on the road tomorrow and Wednesday down in New Orleans for Sunbelt Media Day. Five Names is looking forward to that already. She can't, man, I'm just now back in the studio. Now she's like, she can't wait. One hour in the book, she's like, get out. Are you? Is it time for you to leave yet? It's time for us to take a timeout. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the in a Sports Station and Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hour number two has arrived as RP3 and five names have been reunited inside the game studios here in Upper Lafayette. It's just a taste, though, because we'll be back on the road later today, headed to New Orleans because it is talking season, as they like to say. We were in Atlanta for four days, all four days as SEC media days last week. Now we're headed to Sunbelt Media Days down in New Orleans for a few days, and then RP3 will be... On the road for vacation. Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois. Great American road trip. Already bought supplies over the weekend. Oh, yeah. We're going to get the sandwich fixings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Already got us some chips, some snacks. Already cleaned out the ice chest. I'm raring to go. There'll be no stopping at fast food restaurants for this guy. Keep it moving rest area i'm being mocked by the producer see this is what happens when your team gets swept over the weekend when you had started talking started feeling good about yourself started talking a little trash you know feeling good about your team I, i i'm not even an astros fan so it's not as if my team swept her team but she's just a little perturbed this morning I mean I'm just trying to do our job here our job is to talk about the Houston Astros they just so happen to sweep your Seattle Mariners I'm sorry that we have to talk about things that upset you I mean it could be worse we could be talking Louisiana Tech (laughs) ha 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 Got nothing but love for you, five names. Number but love. Nothing but love. Could be worse. You could be Martin and his Boston Red Sox. Oh, that's, that's rough. That is some rough stuff there if you're a Red Sox fan. Now, gearing up for the road trip. We did this a couple years ago when we went to go see some of our friends in Oklahoma, and we just took our time. Stopped off in Texarkana. We had the ice chest. And, you know, stopped off at rest areas and parks. Had lunches there instead of doing fast food. Got to experience some nature. Got to see the world, the country, if you will. It was a great family time. Yet I'm getting the business from the producer extraordinaire. Apparently she doesn't doesn't value family. That's what I'm picking up there. Some value family. <laughs> oh, road tripping. going will be road tripping. The great Gozolo will be filling in while I'm gone. Our buddy Jim Gozolo. Are you done? I'm sorry.
6: Are oh, you done? Your microphone
1: works this morning. I didn't realize.
6: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, answering phone calls, doing my job, you know.
1: As if, as if the phone banks flooded with phone calls. This isn't footnotes.
6: You saw totally I didn't care about family because answering Doug's phone call who's now patiently waiting because you decided to <laughs> run your mouth, making up things
1: first at of all, all times. First of all, that's what we do here. I filibuster while you get all the information needed from our callers, and then I pause and you let me know, mm-hmm. hey, we got a caller that wants to come on and chat with us.
6: Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to go back to my darkness you too, for two days. Five
1: names. I missed you too.
6: You're leaving me in complete darkness tomorrow. I have no foot, you, and I'll have, have no, no you. Foot.
1: No foot, that's right. And then
6: James won't have Jordy. No, he won't have migas either, so him and I just be sitting in our little studios by ourselves for our shows in the darkness. <laughs> because they're leaving us and, again and,
1: and, and you guys don't have to worry about booking guests because that's already been taken right care of.
6: this is the best part
1: <laughs> for Sunbelt Media Days by the way there'll be like five to six guests for every show uh, the Sunbelt was very aggressive in allowing granting all interviews this time around which was nice which was nice uh so yeah we're, we're jam-packed for all three shows all three of us right RP3 and Company, yep. Footnotes, and Crunch Time with Miguel Zamesh will be broadcasting live from the Hotel Sheraton for Sunbelt Media Days, Tuesday and Wednesday. Of course, all that coverage is brought to you by Next Home, Cutting Edge Realty, and The Wetlands. But let's head out to the hotline. Let's start off hour number two the right way. Our guy, Doug, is patiently waiting. Doug, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
7: Well, good morning, Ray. I'm glad to see you back to work, man. Uh, you take off for a week, leave Hannah in charge of the shop. Poor little girl. And then you're going to take off again. Go to New Orleans of all, of all places. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> hey, Ray. What's up, bud? When you leave Nick in charge, there needs to be some ground rules, Ray. Oh, what? No, you don't start the segment off with soccer. <laughs> Nick tried to start it off with soccer, and then Hannah. She's egging him on. Like, oh, my God. Now, I'm not a soccer hater, but I'm not, I'm not a soccer lover either, you know? <laughs> he was trying to pull a fast one while you was gone, Ray.
6: Ray won't let us. So you we just figured we'd use this opportunity to do so, because Ray won't let us talk about soccer, because I love soccer. <laughs> I grew up with my brother playing, so I love soccer. I know,
7: I know. I'm just just making some jabs at y'all, <laughs> but to start the segment off with soccer, and oh, oh. hey, Nick, Nick don't know when to let it go. Move on. <laughs> hey Ray, I, Ray, I was and hey, no, look, Ray Astros and and Seattle. I wasn't expecting the Astros to take the first game. I was honestly believing that that uh, Seattle would take the first game, being that the Astros just come off of that. Uh, they struggle with the Yankees, you know, and they jump on a plane, fly up. The yeah, end. I thought that I thought Seattle would take that first game. I really, I was surprised the scroll swept them. I really was. Uh, Seattle will be back. I mean, they still got a lot of ball to play. Something else I, I observed over the weekend, Rick. Now we got a bunch of good athletes here in South Louisiana. I mean, football, baseball, basketball. Yeah. How come I don't see any A Bears and Brussels, LeBlanc on the Major League field? It's all Altuve, Garcia's, uh I mean, good Lord. I
1: have a theory, Where are Doug.
7: All the Cajuns?
1: I I I have a theory about that, Doug. You do? I do.
7: What about Coach Bruce did Isn't he a baseball coach too?
1: What Danny? Yeah. No, no, no. He's just he's just hoops. He's just hoops. Oh, he just hoops. up. Okay. Cause hoops. I was
7: just to hoops. Come down on him now. <laughs> but we need our coaches, man. Come on. There we go. There's All right, good, Doug. We got some good players here in South Louisiana. I want to see some more A-bears on the field. Well, bud. What the last one we seen was Gidry,
1: Lightning Gidry. That's right, Louisiana Lightning. Look, I, I, yeah. I, I, I have a theory about that, Doug. I'll share it here in a minute, bud. Thank you for the phone call, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend.
7: Thank you, Ray.
1: I've said this for a while, and I can't speak about, in particular, folks of Cajun heritage making it to the big leagues. What I can talk about is this. There's been a seismic shift in baseball in the last 30 years where you're seeing more guys, more All-Stars, more MVPs, More Hall of Famers like David Ortiz from Latin countries. Now you could argue you can go further back and say this is the Roberto Clemente impact, the factor from him all those generations ago, and it's it's starting to bust through. But I mean, look look at guys that have been put into the Hall of Fame. Of, of recent years, right? Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, Vlad Guerrero Sr., right? Mariano Rivera, the best players in baseball. Not, not completely across the board. Some of you get fired up about that. But a lot of the best players are not American-born. Yet two guys wrapping up their careers this year. They're going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols, not born in the U.S. The best, some of the best young players in the big leagues right now, Tatis, Okuna, Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, go down the list. They're not born here. America's pastime, one could argue, has very much become Latin America's pastime in South America. Central America's pastime. And I've said this for a long time. For them, the, the, the thing that's changed is that a lot of these players that are from the Dominican or Cuba or Venezuela or Ecuador, from Central and South America, their way out of their life most of them, are raised in poor. Most of them come from poverty. Most of them come from an area where education is not available or that good. They come from impoverished regions of the world. Their way out, their way of obtaining generational wealth, their way of getting their families out and making a name for themselves is by playing baseball. It's either that or soccer. See, we're talking soccer. That's how they do it. That's not the case for kids here in the States. Just not. Athletes from some of the best, some of the best athletes from the areas of our state or the areas of this country From uh, poor economic backgrounds, educational, bad school systems, things of that nature, right? They go on to play basketball and football. In Puerto Rico, Venezuela, the Dominican, Cuba, they play baseball. That's the difference. So, Doug, to your point... That's why you see so many Latin players, and, and, and it's grown in the last 25 years, is that. Now, look, you still have corn-fed American boys that are in the big leagues, right? Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, okay, others that grow up, Olsen for the Braves, Lots of pitching is still dominated by Americans. But you're starting to see that kind of seep in as well. And we use a moniker that we used a lot last week while we were in Atlanta. It just means more. I think baseball, not to the fans, but to the kids growing up, I think it means more to those kids in those countries because – It's their way out. It's their ticket to escape poverty. That's their way out. Baseball. So they dedicate everything to it. When you have nothing and your only way to get out is playing on dirt fields behind your house, which is really a shack, you're going to dedicate everything you possibly can Every minute of your day to make sure you achieve your dream to get out of where you're from. If you're here stateside. And you have a nice home. And your parents can afford to pay for your travel ball stuff. You see the difference. You see the difference in that's part of that. That's part of it. Now. A large portion of it is that these players are immensely talented. But there's also a level of desperation for them that I don't believe many kids growing up here with advantages lack. And they don't know anything. They don't understand that life. Right? They, they, they have no idea what that's like to grow up that way. But I think that's the difference. I really do. I think that's the difference is that they see a way out. The only way they have to improve their life is by baseball. Kids here, that are playing travel ball circuit. Hey, they make good enough grades. They can get tops. They can stay right here in the state and go to college. They don't have to worry about getting baseball to give them what they need or what they want. It's a different thing, man. It's just different. And I've said it for years. And more and more and more is that way. Ooh, good stuff there. Impromptu going down a path we did not expect. All because of soccer conversation from Friday. So, Doug, you should be thanking Nick Fondo and Hannah Five names for that. Because it led us to here, bud. There'll be no more soccer talk for today. (laughs) We got to take a timeout here at a heartbeat. Look, I respect the sport. I've said it before. I respect the sport. I am too old to be adding new sports to my life. Okay? I'll be 44 years old this September. The big, bald, and beautiful one. I only have so much room in my heart, so much room in my life for sports. Some have to be, don't have time for you. Just don't have I barely have enough time to follow the sports I do now. How am I going to add soccer to it? Don't have time for that. Don't have time for it. Sorry. Respect the heck out of it. I've seen a U.S. friendly match back in the day, 1997-1998, versus Paraguay, by the way. I also saw MLS All-Stars take on Manchester United's B-team, or C-team, or however they describe it. In reliant stadium that place was packed i never one of the loudest places i've ever been phenomenal atmosphere i've watched the world cup but if you ask me to carve out time in my life for soccer it's not happening i'm sorry i'm sorry there's only so much of the big boy to go around and i don't have enough of me to go around for soccer my apologies to all the soccer fans out there. Hannah's got your back, though. Maybe Hannah can start a podcast. Soccer thoughts with five names. On the pitch with five names. Nah, see? no. no. <laughs> we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll keep taking your phone calls. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Sign up right now for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Uh, The Houston Astros, they're one of the hottest teams in baseball, and you can listen to them live tonight right here on the game. They've started the all-star break going 5-0, swept the Yankees in a twin bill on Thursday, and then took out the hottest team in Major League Baseball, the Seattle Mariners, on the road by sweeping all three games from the Mariners there in lovely Emerald City, a.k.a. Seattle, or China, as Foote calls it. They'll begin a three-game set tonight in Oakland against the Athletics. You can listen to first pitch from tonight's game. First pitch will be 840. That's 840 Astros at Athletics live right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the Houston Astros. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Ralph to the show. Ralph, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend?
8: Well, good morning, Ray. Just kind of wanted to, to add on to that uh, discussion from the last caller. Um, in that, you know, I think uh, uh, late Coach Roby show really had it—the the whole travel ball thing pegged. But, you know, it kind of creates this trophy for everyone mentality mm-hmm. because now you've got these kids, you know. That, and, look, I, I, I know how much some of these parents are paying, and, and that's just to get them on the team. Once it's a they're fortune. On the team, now they're,
1: it's a fortune. Yeah,
8: they're going to tournaments. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they're traveling every weekend to, you know, either Atlanta or Memphis or Florida, and the, the parents are spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year to follow this 10-year-old kid around. Uh, you know, and, of course, they you know now they're giving out championship rings and all this stuff. It's, I just, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I grew up just with, you know, summer league baseball. You played baseball when, you know, you were out of school basically in the summer and you little organized, you know, teams, you might make it to an all-star game or whatever. And, um, you know, then you moved on to the next sport, but it's just, it's ridiculous. But, you know, as someone who always roots for the underdog, it does my heart good when I see kids, you know, find a way out of poverty and and it just goes to show you, you know, these these kids that are be, you know being coddled, I'll I'll call it that, but whatever it is, you know, shuttled around the country to play, and you got kids growing up with sticks and rocks in the Dominican Republic learning the game, yeah, and they're making it, you know, at a much higher rate. You know, they if you're good enough, they will find you. Let's put it that way. And and I just want to ask you one question. I'll hang up and listen. But dude, what does baffle me is why there hasn't been more. Japanese players come down Ooh. to the to the majors, you know, because it's so big in Japan, and they apparently have a lot of good players, but very few have really, you know, have ventured over here to, to to try it. And do you think that's maybe more of a I don't know cultural thing as far as the the, the living in the U.S. and having to, you know do the whole interpreter thing? I don't I don't know. I, I just wanted your opinion on why you don't think. Right. And, and Will Otani influence more to maybe come come give it a shot so y'all have a good day good to hear you back on and uh y'all it will be a brief (laughs) a brief appearance but uh have (laughs) fun tomorrow
1: thank you brother appreciate the phone call bud enjoy your day now i want to touch on that because uh, otani is a special player i think otani is here because of Ichiro. don't sell short the impact that Ichiro had on that. Now, there were other uh, Japanese players that made their ways over to the states to play in the big leagues. But Ichiro became a sensation, a cultural phenomenon. And he just so happened to be a great player. I think part of that is we're still seeing that in its infancy, I think you've seen Latin players. We're talking two, three generations of Latin players being able to play in the big leagues. Japanese-born players are still kind of new to it, Ralph, if if I had to 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 say on that. Plus, I do think there is a cultural difference there where you can stay in Japan and make very, very good money and not have to come stateside. Where if you're playing in Cuba or the Dominican, these kids aren't. A lot of them aren't even graduating from high school or school, definitely not going to college. So they go right in. In Japan, it's different. So I, I think that's part of it. I think it's part of a uh, cultural thing. But you could see Otani be the one to kind of open up the the wave, so, so to speak, of Japanese-born players to make it over. Now, we've had them over the years. But Ichiro is really kind of the guy. I don't think if you have Ichiro in his success, because remember, he's technically, if you count his stats in Japan and his stats here in Major League Baseball, he has the most hits all time, more than Pete Rose. So he was already a star in Japan before he made the transition over to America, and then he became a star here. I think you look at generation later, here's Otani. Once again. And, 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 and sometimes it takes something like that. I also go back to the 1992 Dream Team. Different sport, but I'll use that as an example. The greatest collection of talent ever assembled for a basketball team was the 1992 Men's Olympic Team for the United States. They dominated everyone, crushed everyone's face. But that's not what is their lasting legacy. What their lasting legacy is what they did for the game of basketball. A generation later, all of a sudden you see all those players that saw them in the Olympics and saw that 1992 1992 team change basketball. And in the aftermath of that, you saw countries like Spain, Argentina, others, All of a sudden, France, all of a sudden put together really, really great basketball national teams and put together great basketball leagues outside of the NBA. You can go back to the 1992 Dream Team for that. You talk to any of those foreign-born guys that were kids back then, talk to Dirk out of Germany, talk to Luca. he still remembers it even though he was a baby, You talk to Tony Parker. You talk to Manu Ginobili. You talk to any of those foreign-born players, the Gasol brothers, even though they came to the States when they were kids. They remember the impact of the 1992 Dream Team and how it changed basketball outside of the country. You have to wait. Sometimes the the seeds are planted, and you have to wait for them to grow. It usually takes about a generation. I think Otani, you could see that moving forward as well. But I think Otani is a direct result of Ichiro coming over and being a not only a cultural phenomenon but also a great player because he was a great player for Seattle, one of the best they ever had. Good stuff there. You gotta take a timeout. Good conversation. Glad to be back in the studio. I'm hearing from the fellas. Y'all calling up the hotline. That's what I like to hear. We got to put that on pause, though, because we're going to welcome on our first guest. He's the sports and news director from the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. Our friend Jeff Palermo joins us next right here on rp3 and company you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros
0: here on rp3 and company we talk about the sports you know and love baseball football basketball and soccer isn't this great man i love soccer here we go galaxy here we go okay maybe not soccer but we'll try to do our best Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to RP3 and company. Joining us now on the hotline is the man behind the Louisiana radio network. He doesn't own it. He just operates it. I mean, really, he's the lifeblood of it. He's the news director and sports director for it. He's also co host of Tiger Rag Radio. He also does Southland Conference games from time to time, high school games. He does it all. It's our good friend Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Raymond, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great, but shall I see you in New Orleans the next few days? Will you be down for Sunbelt Media Days?
9: No, I will not be down for uh, Sunbelt Media Days. But I, I would imagine everyone will have a good time being down there.
1: So... Did did I just make you feel bad that you're not going? I I didn't mean to. I wasn't trying to start (laughs) the conversation off. I just got
9: uh, other responsibilities uh, here back home in Baton Rouge. When you're the
1: lifeblood of the Louisiana Radio Network, you're not allowed. You're (laughs) not allowed. uh, uh, What Jeff's not saying is that he's officially moved into the Louisiana uh, Radio Network headquarters. He now lives there permanently. Uh, That's your new home, correct?
9: It sometimes feels like it, that's for sure.
1: Oh, all right, bud. Let's uh let's go back. Now that uh a week has in the books, uh SEC Media Day, uh Media Days, we survived it all. Um, it was a bit of a circus, but really nothing hugely controversial came out of SEC Media Days, right?
9: Yeah, I would say it was pretty tame and I think the coaches were really all on their best behaviors after the whole verbal spat between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. I, I think those were your your real fireworks. You also didn't have any news of the SEC expanding. Um you know Greg Sankey was pretty measured in his comments as well, so there wasn't anything really you know coming from him. I guess it is news for him to say, Hey, we're we're not in a hurry to, to expand the league anymore. Um, you know, he took uh, a couple of subtle wipes at the Big Ten, talking about how the SEC is still geographically and all the all the different schools are, are linked together. At least, um, you know, each state is connected with each other. You're not going uh, 2,000 miles away to go get other schools, so. Uh, and, and I was actually kind of good. I was glad to hear that, uh, Raymond. I, I, I think I've expressed it on your show and even on Tiger Rag the concern of where college football is heading and where we're we going with the realignment. And um, I think you're losing a lot of traditions. I, I understand that you could be gaining some new traditions, but um, I, I think you're, you're also losing a, a lot as well as far as what has made college football as special of a sport that it's been. Uh, over the last few decades. So, uh, and then you know when Brian Kelly spoke, uh, you know I, I I thought you know he he's in um, Brody Miller's article on the Athletic. He, Brian Kelly talked about just wanting to hit singles, not home runs, during his appearance at SEC Media Days, and I think he certainly did that. I, I don't think there was anything earth shattering that uh, came out of what he had to say. So, again, I I think a lot of what happened uh between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and the back and forth that those two had, I think that was uh you kinda your your thunder and lightning and then once we got uh to the SEC media days it was just uh you know it was just a it was just a shower, you know, or a drizzle. There wasn't anything there that um I think people could really grab to
1: what'd you make of Brian Kelly because he impressed a lot of folks taking the stage on Monday. I mean, I heard that from not only media folks, but also heard that from SEC officials that uh, the buzz was, man, Brian Kelly kind of killed it.
9: Well, I think the level of professionalism, I think the level of uh, detail, him being detail-oriented, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about him being a CEO, you know, but this is, what's funny about that, uh, Raymond, is that they also talked about Ed Orgeron being a CEO, but, Ed Orsron became a CEO where he became two hands-off and the, and the program slipped away from him. I don't think that's going to be the case with Coach Brian Kelly. I think you get an idea of, that there's a plan in place and that uh, he has an idea of what he wants to do. I mean, just even look at how well he's recruiting out of state. I think there's particular players that he's, he's looking for. If they're not in the state of Louisiana – He'll go out and get them elsewhere. I do feel, though, he, he probably wishes that he could keep some some more of these kids from Louisiana in-state, but uh, he continues to do very well out-of-state, and that just gives you an idea of kind of what he's looking for, what what type of player, what he wants to run. Um, but I think at the same, even though Brian Kelly was impressive, um, I think there's a lot of people that wonder just how much talent is really on this team. A lot of question marks, which is why they're picked to finish fifth in the SEC West.
1: Let's talk about that because I voted on that. I did not vote LSU the fifth best team in the West. Okay. Um, I'm a little surprised. Where'd you have them? I, I, I had them fourth. Okay. okay. I, 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 I voted Bama one. I voted Ole Miss two. Um, and I, I just, I, I, there's something about A&M that I don't trust, but I put them at three, but when I put together my sec West ballot, I mentioned to another media member, I says, once you get past Alabama, any of these teams could finish, it, it could be upside down, like, especially in the West, because Ole Miss is coming off a 10 win season. A&M supposed to be good. Uh, Arkansas is coming off a great season even though a lot of people expect them to take a step back because of their schedules brutal Mississippi State's supposed to have a breakthrough season so look there's there's going to be an odd man out here right there's going to be a team that's going to be at the bottom of the division I just I I I just don't think it's LSU I don't think I I didn't vote LSU that way I know a lot of people don't share that same uh, mindset because there's so many question marks about the quarterbacks about the defensive backs and about the offensive line but I don't know. I thought fifth seemed a little off to me.
9: Yeah, I thought I, I'm thinking fourth as well, uh, to Raymond. I, I, I think um, yeah, I think Alabama, Texas a And M, Texas a And M are certainly your top two. If LSU finished third, that would not surprise me. No. Um, if they, and to be honest with you, Raymond, if they ended up finishing say like sixth. That I don't want to say that. it would be very disappointing, but it's possible, right? But because of just the the lack of depth that you have on this team, if the quarterbacks, if if the quarterback competition, they just don't get the position, they don't get they they don't get the play out of that. If that offensive line just turns out to be a mess, you know. But when you when you look at the uh, preseason All SEC teams. I think that's kind of that's kind of telling where you're at talent-wise. Okay, yeah, Sean Bute is a, a first-team selection. You got a couple guys on that defensive line that uh, I think a lot of people are pretty excited about. But you just there's just so many unknowns, and nobody else is really it's it's, it's really sticking out there to say, oh yeah, this this guy's a terrific player. So over the last couple of seasons. You know LSU was a, a mediocre football team, but had exceptional talent in that they had all these guys that were drafted, and uh, you know even in the first round, you know other than Keshawn Butte, um, you know and BJ Ojolari, he could turn out being a a pretty high draft pick after the season, uh, if he stays healthy, and has has a big year. Um, you're, you're not looking at the same type of uh, or, or the same number of players that have been drafted in, in years past. So I just the, the talent. I, I think LSU fans can look and say, "Hey, you know, the, there's a lot more talent on this team than you know." I mean, Miles Brennan could just blow up the season and have a huge season. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, Mike Jones, a linebacker, he could become the next great LSU linebacker that uh, the Tigers have been able to produce that defensive secondary could really come around and play good. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go well, but at the same time, uh, things can, things can go bad for this club as well, especially if they don't get play from the quarterback that they're hoping for, or the offensive line is a mess, or they suffer a, a bunch of injuries as well. You know, if Kayshaun Boutte misses seven games this season, LSU could finish in sixth place again.
1: Yeah. It's it, it's it's so unpredictable, but I think the SEC in general outside of Bama, Georgia, and I would even say Kentucky in the East. I think anything outside of that is going to be a crapshoot for for me. We're talking with Jeff Palermo of the Louisiana Radio Network, he's sports and news director. He's also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He joins us here in RP3 and company. All right, bud, now that talking season's been put to bed for the SEC and for LSU in particular, obviously we have Sunbelt Media Days in New Orleans this week. But for LSU, what are the things that you're looking, going to be keeping an eye on once the team reports for fall camp?
9: Well, I mean, it all really starts with the quarterback battle, right? And how fast can Coach Brian Kelly make a determination exactly – you know who they're going with, and are they also going to mix in a second guy in there as well? Could we see a change of pace, guy? I mean, how how quickly can that position be settled? I, I think is a is a it's a big question mark. Um, offensive line, how do they? How quickly can they settle on the five best guys on that offensive line? I, I mean, that's that's big. You know what other wide receivers step up during preseason camp? Um, you know, do they can that secondary come together and and, and form quickly and be a, a be a really good group? I mean, I, to me, those are those are really the big storylines. And obviously, you're always trying to stay away from injuries, and we'll see how healthy they are. And, and I guess the other thing is because we are talking about a new head coach and. We got a little bit of a, a taste of it in spring football. I mean, how our practices run, uh, our, our guys dialed in, uh, the organization of the practices. I mean, everything we got from spring football seemed like you know it was, it was at a different level than it was with Coach O. And so let, let, let's see. Let's see if, there's, if that continues and, and everything kind of uh, that, that it runs like a, a well-oiled machine should. Uh, So I think that will be interesting to see as well.
1: Jeff, appreciate your time as always. Tell the folks uh, this week's Tiger Rag Radio what to expect, bud. What you guys got on tap? Well, we'll certainly start uh,
9: previewing the uh, upcoming football season. You know, Pete Maravich's statue gets unveiled tonight. We'll uh, talk a little bit about that as well tomorrow. Um, and, uh you know, we'll probably have some more baseball talk, see where we're at with that, you know, August 1st is coming up. That's the deadline for all these kids that were drafted for them to make a decision. So they don't got much time here. And so, uh, but we, we have a pretty good idea of what that roster is looking like. Uh, but, uh, w- we'll certainly discuss that a little bit more as well, but, uh, and, uh, c- you know, continue talking, uh, recruiting LSU picked up another, um, four-star commitment for the class of 2024 that while it's early that recruiting class is ranked in the top five but uh, we'll continue to uh, talk a little uh, recruiting as well and so a lot to a uh, lot to get to over uh, two hours on a Tuesday night in late July
1: Jeff appreciate your time as always brother enjoy your week appreciate you time, man
9: all right Raymond you have a great one
1: thanks a lot you too bud We got to take a time out, wrap up our number two here of RP3 and Company. We'll update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, Let's check in on the poll question of the day, shall we? It's a good one. Who's the best team in Major League Baseball? Not named the Houston Astros. Once again, Astros have begun the second half of the season sweeping a doubleheader from the New York Yankees, who have the best record in baseball, and then snapped the Seattle Mariners' 14-game winning streak, the best team, the hottest team in baseball, and then promptly swept them in Seattle. The Strohs will begin a three-game set tonight against the Oakland Athletics in Oakland. 8 first pitch. That's early. Who's the best team in Major League Baseball, not named the Houston Astros? 34% say the Dodgers, 34% say the Yankees, 23% say the Braves, and 9% say the Mets. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, it's the Mariners. Let's go. Let's go. You got to love that. I love it. Love the poll question, says Steve. I would like to participate by calling in, but I'm manning the Red Sox hotline. It is so quiet here. You can hear a mouse. TT on a cotton ball. Cotton ball. <laughs> Red Sox are historically just crumbling in, in, in front of us. Like the run differential is something that hasn't been done since the 1890s. Like anytime you're on the wrong end of history, and something hasn't happened since 1894, things are not going your way. Just as a rule of thumb. Hour number two went your way. You know what's going to happen with hour number three? It's going to go your way as well. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us, help preview Sunbelt Conference media days, talking things, all things Raging Cajun, Vermilion, and Whites coming up. Next, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Everything, everything. Everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company as we're broadcasting live in the studios here in Upper Lafayette. That's right. That's right. After being gone all last week for SEC Media Days, Hannah and I are reunited, and it feels so good. But then what's going to happen is yours truly and Kevin Foote and Matt Miguez will all be broadcasting live from New Orleans the next two days for Sunbelt Media Days. That's right. We go from one day to two. The conference expanded, so has media days. We're going to have a good time down in New Orleans hearing from all the new coaches that are joining the conference. And, of course, a new era in Raging Cajun football. And to preview it all for us is our old friend, refreshed and ready to go for talking season, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, bud. How are you, bud? New phone. Who dis? Who dis? (laughs) <laughs> New phone, who dis? <laughs> uh, how was your summer, brother? How was your summer?
5: Um, it's been great. Um, I took a, took a little vacation, uh, went to uh, Kentucky and did the Kentucky Bourbon Trail.
1: Oh, I've done that, and, bud. Uh, That's fun.
5: Yeah. And uh, had a, also had about five days of a little solitude where I didn't have anybody around me. And I think sometimes you need to do that and uh I've been to the office you know here and there and uh but you know th- tomorrow begins the unofficial start of getting ready for football so it's been a it's been a great uh, month and a half but it's almost time to go to work
1: it is almost time because the start of the season's going to be here what 40 some odd days so it'll be here in no time brother labor day weekend will be the season opener okay um heading into this Uh, overall Sunbelt media days, you've covered a plenty of these, you've been at plenty of these, uh, what's the top thing or top few things that you're kind of looking forward to that aren't raging Cajun related, but interest you, Mr. Jay Walker.
5: Uh, I think the one thing you don't want to miss is the commissioner's address tomorrow morning. Um, a lot of times the commissioner's address and it hasn't mattered who the commissioner is, uh, has been a whole lot of, you know, fluff about, look how good we are, um, But I think you're going to see a couple of announcements tomorrow that I think are going to be newsworthy. Um, I I think we're going to hear more about the expanded coverage by ESPN uh, because we are going to have more opportunities on the linear networks now. And I also think that you finally may get an idea of exactly what the revenue is going to be like from ESPN uh, with this new contract. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to the commissioner's address because I, I, I think he's actually going to have something to say.
1: What about the new programs and the new coaches joining the fray? Is anyone kind of, you're making sure to pencil in to listen to what they have to say or maybe you pull them aside and just have a conversation with them?
5: You know, I don't have a lot scheduled over the next two days. In fact, I have nothing tomorrow. But I'm going to be there tomorrow because it's the eastern uh, side and I want to see what the, the guys from Marshall and James Madison and Old Dominion have to say. I want to hear what Clay Helton has to say, the new coach at Georgia Southern, because the Cajuns are going to play them uh, on a Thursday night this year. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning some things. Um, and I think I'm going to get to learn some things because we've got new stuff that's going to get thrown at us. Um, I'll have a few things to do on, uh, on Wednesday. Um, You've you, you got a couple of new coaches, well, specifically over at Troy. But, but uh, tomorrow's going to be an interesting day, I think, between what the commissioner has to say and then the Eastern Division with all the new coaches. It, um, it could be a very interesting day.
1: We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we talk Sunbelt and the Vermilion and White. It'll be Coach Dez's first time up there as the head coach of the Raging Cajuns. What do you expect his message, his theme of his opening remarks to be? Coach speak.
5: That's what I expect. I I expect him not to say too, too much. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he'll – He'll say the things that he needs to say. He'll talk about the challenges that uh, that, that are going to face this team. He's going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the guys you have to replace. But he's going to spend more time talking about the guys that he has to work with. And I think it's going to be a very positive uh, type of thing. But I don't think he's going to say much of anything that you know, we're going to make a headline out of. Uh, I don't expect that. I, I expect them to stay pretty close to the best.
1: Well, that's kind of Michael's personality, period, right? I mean, he's not yeah. going to be one to do it. I, I just well, I was saying, not necessarily is he going to give us any sound bites, or is it just simply going to be, you know, what they're working on, competition, what the theme, you know, kind of the message is going to be about this team. You think it's just going to be the same thing that we've heard since he took over as interim coach and then was named head coach?
5: Yeah, I really don't expect to hear a whole lot new. Um, I expect him to get questioned a little bit more about how the offense and the defense may change because you have new coordinators. Um, heck, I'm interested in finding that out. You know, are we going to have basically the same offense, or is Mike going to have a little bit more of Mike in that offense? Because, of course, he was uh, he was a dual threat quarterback, and we haven't you know we haven't run the quarterback a lot over the last few years, and you know if Chandler Fields wins that job, Chandler's pretty athletic. So are we going to see more of a, a zone read type offense with him at quarterback, or are we going to have the, the offense we had before? And Lamar Morgan is in now, and even the, the even how you. Um, even how you identify the personnel has already changed. So, you know, what's going to be different there? So I, I think those are the questions that are going to get asked. I don't know how deep he's going to go in answering them, but, um, but I think there are plenty of questions that you can, you can ask Mike um, about, you know, what the Cajuns are going to look like with him at the helm. Nothing changed for the bowl game because there wasn't time to change anything. Well, I'm sure things are going to change now, but I want to know what they are.
1: Jay, uh, another guy with Raging Cajun connections, obviously, is Will Hall. He's the Southern Miss head coach entering his second season at the helm of the Eagles, and that's an old-school rivalry for the Raging Cajuns, and Will obviously was a former uh, OC and quarterback's coach for the Cajuns. Um Are you interested to see what happens with that program in year two now that they're in the Sun Belt as well?
5: Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, um, they had a a very unique situation last year where they they basically didn't have a quarterback. Um, And so they had to play running backs and wide receivers as quarterbacks and managed to win a couple games doing that. Um, He's brought in quite a few transfers, and he's gone out and recruited some. And he's in a new league. So, yeah, I'm curious about Southern Miss. I think they're going to take a big step forward this year. Um, are they going to be able to challenge for a division championship? I don't know that I'm going to go that far. But um, I, I, I think they're going to be better. And when I say better, I think you know they're going to have a chance to finish, I think, in the upper half of the division.
1: Let's stay in the West. I thought... South Alabama had a nice start to Kane Womack's tenure. Uh, they had a couple of games they let kind of slip through their fingers, including the one against the Raging Cajuns. They probably should have won that game in Mobile last year. But I think they took some strides. Do you expect to see the Jaguars take the next step this coming season?
5: Yeah, good question. And, and I'm not sure about the answer uh, on that. You know, they still have to figure out who's going to say hike. Yeah. Um, they, they got some experience there, but I don't know that any of the guys have been what I would call standouts. I think Southern, I, I think South Alabama is going to be very good on defense. I don't know how, um, how much they're going to be able to score the football with the personnel that they have. I, I think if there's a, if there's an Achilles heel for for South Alabama, I think it's their offense. I, I think defensively they're going to be really, really solid. And I'll tell you who else defensively is going to be really, really solid is Troy. Um, I think that I think Troy's the co-favorite in the, in the West. Um, I think they're right there. And they've got a new coach. I think they've got really good offensive personnel. But their defense is solid. I, I think that that is a very good football team. And I think they're going to challenge the Cajuns for a championship.
1: I want to ask you about Texas State because they've become that team, at least in the last few years, Jay, where we talk about them at media days and coaches will come up and tell you, hey, watch out for the Bobcats. It feels like it's their year to kind of push through, right, to break through. They got talent. They're in Texas. And and you hear other coaches say that. Some of them will say it on the record even. A lot of them will say it off the record. Yet it never kind of happens for them. What are your expectations about the team there in San Marcos?
5: They have been the enigma since they've come into the league. Um, nobody can figure it out. Nobody can answer the question, why isn't this program better? Now, I personally think that the administration had an awful lot to do with that. Well, they got a different administration now. They have a new athletic director. They have a new chancellor who's come over from Arkansas State. So, I, I, I think that you're going to see the dynamic change a little bit. Is it going to make a difference this year? I don't know. The one thing that Texas State has going, well, they got a few things going for them. But the one thing they really have going for them is they got a quarterback now. You know, they, they had uh, Hatcher is transferred from Arkansas State. He's going to be the guy. Uh, and for the first time in quite a while, the quarterback position is going to be a strength for Texas State. That hasn't happened in quite some time. But, you know, Jake Spavital, um, a year ago, didn't recruit a single high school player. He, his entire recruiting class was transfers, and they didn't get any better. Yeah. And I and I think for the most part they've done that again. You can't build a program to last just on transfers. You can't do that in any sport, um, and and football is is on that list. So I think there's still an enigma. I think this is a big year for Spavital, um, But the thing that they got going for them is they got a quarterback now. And, and I think that that is going to help them an awful lot. Uh, I haven't sat down and studied, but, uh, but if I'm not mistaken, they didn't get any favors as far as who they're going to play out of the East this year. I know Marshall is on their schedule. And, and I want to say there's another you know uh, contender on their schedule, so they're not going to get any help there. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm curious about Texas State. I'm curious about them every year, Ray, Same and here. every year they seem to disappoint.
1: It's, we'll see what happens. It, it's it, it's crazy about them. It it, it absolutely crazy is uh, crazy about Texas State because you expect them to kind of break through and they they just never do. We're talking with a longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. He joins us here on RP Three and Company. All right, but I want to ask you about ULM because that's who the Raging Cajuns are going to open up conference play against, and they're going to do so on the road. Not as if Malone Stadium is going to be you know loud because it never is, or at least it hasn't been in my lifetime. But Terry Bowden is a good coach. That's an impossible job, it feels like. Do you expect the Warhawks to be better in 2022?
5: I do. I don't know if it's going to show up in their record, okay? But I do expect they're going to be better. And, again, I think part of the reason is they knew who their quarterback is. You know, you had you had the guy last year, and then you also had Rich, Rod, uh, Rich Rod's kid at quarterback who was a dual-threat guy, but ULM didn't do a very good job throwing the football last year. Um, I think that offensively they're going to be better because they know who their guy is, and they have a new offensive coordinator now who's probably, you know, going to take advantage of the fact that they've got – what they feel is a strength at quarterback um, ULM's issue a year ago was their defense. They were terrible defensively. And I don't know how much better you can get in one year. I think that's a process that you got to go through. That's the big question mark about ULM, but I think they're going to be able to move the football and everybody hold your breath on this one. Cause I don't think I've ever said this. They probably have the best kicker in the Sun Belt. So, um, they're going to be able to use that guy as a weapon. So I think they're going to be better. I just don't know how much better their record is going to be.
1: One more for you, Jay. In the East, it's going to be between Coastal and App. That's what we pretty much all think of. Uh, who, who do you like to come out on top in 2022 to represent the East for the Sunbelt Championship?
5: Georgia State.
2: Ooh,
1: I like that.
5: Uh, how about that? No, I I think Georgia State, Okay, let me, let me answer your question. I think App is the favorite. They ought to be the favorite. Um, I, I, you know, They've got a lot of firepower coming back, and that is just a program where the East runs through Boone. I mean, it just does. And they've got an awful lot of talent. they got their quarterback back. They've got two great running backs. They're the favorite, and they should be. Nobody's talking about Georgia State, and I think that's a mistake. Because I thought that was one of the better teams the Cajuns played last year. If you remember, the Cajuns had to get a touchdown in the final 90 seconds in order to win that game. Um, Very solid defensively, very solid up front on offense. Um, I mean, they got some men there on the offensive line. They're returning their skill, guys. I I don't go to sleep on the Panthers. I I think that before the season's over with, they're going to jump up and bite a team or two. And we're going to be saying, wow. We didn't talk about Georgia State. Well, to make sure that that's not the case, I talked about them today. I think they're going to be – I think they're a contender in the East. I don't know if they're going to win it, but I think they're a contender, and they're going to bite Marshall or Coastal or African. They're going to get one of them, maybe two. We'll see.
1: Jay, appreciate you making the time, as always, brother. See you in New Orleans the next few days, and enjoy the rest of your week, my friend.
5: I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back.
1: It's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, talking all things Vermilion and White in the Sunbelt Conference. Once again, Sunbelt Sun Belt Conference Media Days will be held tomorrow and Wednesday down at the Hotel Sheraton in New Orleans. RP3 and company, this show. Kevin Foote in Footnotes and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from Radio Row there at the Hotel Sheraton. We already have interviews lined up. I'm talking... Raging Cajun players, Raging Cajun head coach, uh, other coaches from both the East and the West divisions. Also, the commissioner will be stopping by. Of course, all of our coverage as we take over the Big Easy this week is brought to you by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Once again, the game will be broadcasting live from Sunbelt Conference Media Days in New Orleans, Tuesday and Wednesday, RP3 and Company footnotes and crunch time live and local from the Big Easy. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, hey, we're going to go back and listen to some more of what the McNeese Cowboys had to say at Southland Conference Media Days last week. We touched on some of it earlier this week. Earlier this morning, rather. Not this week. Well, I guess technically this week, but this morning. Earlier this morning. We'll revisit that once again. Also here for some players. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 25th, 1999, Lance Armstrong wins his first of seven consecutive Tour de France titles, but is later disqualified for drug cheating. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: League Conference held its media day event. Southland Conference held its Media Day event last week. Good job, extraordinaire. You got this. Last week in Lake Charles, and it was, you look, the fact that the conference even exists, it looked like it was on death's doorstep a year ago. Yet, the new commissioner has been able to come in and kind of work his magic. Got Lamar to come back after only one year. Got incarnate word to decide not to leave at the 11th hour. Kept McNeese as well, and there's talk of even expanding, moving forward. And McNeese, of course, took to the stage. And lots of excitement about the Cowboys. You know, the Hurricanes are now behind them. They're going to have their lights set up there at the hole in Cowboys Stadium for the fall, so all their home games are going to be at night like they always used to be. 7 o'clock kickoff there in Lake Chuck. And there's just a buzz building, especially with the new coach being an offensive guy. Part of the air raid system, Gary Goff is. He's from that Mike Leach coaching tree. So they're expecting some big things out of the Cowboys this coming season. And, you know, he got to, you know, touch on a lot of things. But he also touched on who so far through off-season drills, off-season program, the weightlifting program, and everything else that's been going on. And, of course, spring football. They did have spring practice. You know, who's been standing out from his perspective on the Cowboys roster?
4: Yeah, I mean, at, at the receiver room, we had some, some talent. But, um, you know, Mason got a lot of the attention as far as our opponents. Uh, we, we added uh, Kobe Duru, who's a receiver transfer from San Diego State. That's, you know, he's got good speed. I, I haven't had him race yet. I don't know his passes, but Mace don't tell you him. Um, but we, we, we've definitely. added more speed to the offensive side of the ball um, to help take some of that pressure off of him. Um, and like I said, if they're focused on him, uh, then somebody else is going to have a big game and vice versa. But uh, he definitely has. You know, Malik Welch is, is a corner transfer from San Jose State. We expect great things out of him. I mean, Garrison Smith, we got, we got a kicker transfer from uh, Ohio State. I, I think he's got a big leg, you know, so exciting to see him under the pressure, how he can develop. But, um, you know, like I said, we, we added 15 young men, uh, Maude Willis from a linebacker transfer from Houston, that all of them are expected to come in here and, in here and play and play immediately. Uh, we just haven't had a, a lot of time on the field with them yet, so it's hard to answer some of those questions.
1: But um, all of So look, they're excited. He had to go into the transfer portal to get players to come to be able to field out the team because roster numbers have been an issue. And look, they were an issue even before the Hurricanes hit because McNeese had the APR issues with their academic scores that created a postseason ban. So they had players leave after that because they're like, well, if I can't play for anything, if I can't play for getting into the playoffs or a conference championship, I want to transfer out. Then the Hurricanes happened. Then they lost players because of that. And now they're just starting to get up. So they're going to have to depend on the NCAA transfer portal, which a lot of schools are having to do these days. But they should be better. I expect McNeese to be far more competitive this year. And another thing that came out the week leading into Media Day was the decision to add Lamar back to the conference. Instead of having them wait a year, they went ahead and had them rejoin a year early. They paved the way for that. They voted on it. They approved it. And that also meant that they had to redo their schedule. And what that meant is that one of McNeese's biggest rivals, which is the Lamar Cardinals, right over the state line in Beaumont, Texas, they get to play that game. The Battle of the Borders, they call it, and this is what he had to say about that.
4: Well, I think it's very important to have a rival, right? So it's great that they're back in the conference. It just makes our conference that much stronger. Um, but it, it's, it's, I'm very excited they're at home, last game of the year here, under the lights. But, um, no, it's important. It, it's important for uh, McNeese. It's important for Lamar. And it's very important for the Southland Conference. So it, it very excited.
1: Now, he does inherit a few guys that could be big impact players for the Cowboys in the 2022 season. And one of those is Mason Pierce. Now, he's a preseason all-conference wide receiver and return specialist. He can do both. He's going to be their big offensive weapon in this system. And Mason, you know, uh, talked about how already, even though it's early and it's just spring ball and still learning the playbook, how much he loves this offense.
2: He, he just brought in, brought in my type, my type of style. So like, that's really what I'm excited. But like, as far as him being the head coach, you know, he br- really brings his team together. You know, want to have leadership in, in the locker room. So that's really the main thing he on.
1: Now, it's just not Mason. There's other offensive weapons as well, and, and Mason made sure to shot them out and give them a little love in the spotlight, so to speak, at media day as well.
6: Oh uh, yeah, it's it's exciting because you can't really focus on one player at one time. You know, we got a lot of people that can make plays at any given play, and coach did a good job of uh, recruiting. You know, uh, adding adding people to the, to the mix to help out with that more. So like as long as soon as we get meshed together and and start to work together, it's going to be a real.
1: On the defensive side of the football, they're going to be led by C.J. Simeon defensive lineman, veteran guy, and he shared what it's been like working with his new head coach.
0: Yes, sir. So the biggest thing, you know, is being consistent, you know, on a consistent basis, you know, every day reminding everybody of the culture, you know, what we have to, you know, work towards every day. And um, really that's the biggest thing, honestly.
1: And the defense, what is the defense going to be bringing to the table for the 2022 season?
0: Yes, sir. So you know, like Coach Goff said, you know, we were kind of thin in the spring, and that was, you know, a little bit challenging. But you know, we've added some pieces, and um, the D line's gotten, you know, a little bit, a little bit bulkier in, in numbers and, and, you know, experience-wise, and um, we're starting to look good as, as well as uh, the back end as well. Um, we have some guys developing, you know, leadership roles as well as, you know, physically and mentally, obviously.
1: So look, expectations are being raised in. Lake Charles, and they'll be some of the first to tell you, supporters of the program will be the first to tell you, it, it, they've, they're to the point now where you can't use the Hurricanes no longer as an excuse, right? They've changed coaches. They got lights back up in the stadium. They expect fans to come out, and they expect to be better. No more excuses of, well, we you know couldn't practice or because of COVID or because of the hurricane. They are not going to be making any more excuses. They have no desire to do so. They have a new coach, and the players that are back have no desire to make excuses either. They expect to start taking those steps to get back to where they used to be, where McNeese used to be, quote-unquote, the benchmark, if you will, for the Southland Conference. They've been surpassed. Southeastern and Nichols have done that in recent years. So that's part of it. you got to work. Once you lose your perch, once you lose that spot, atop the conference you got to work at getting it back and it takes time it takes time we'll talk more about McNeese as we get closer to the launching of the season we'll have coach Gary Goff on as well in the next few weeks but coming up next we're going to talk to somebody who's going to be lining up against those McNeese Cowboys this coming year former Ascension Episcopal linebacker Hayden Cormier joins us live in the studio to talk about his prolific career in high school, about his recruiting process, and how, you know what, he didn't get the offers that he wanted, so you know what, he ended up getting an opportunity to go showcase his skills, he's going to do that this fall. For the Nichols Colonels. We're going to talk to him all about that. That's coming up next. You're not going to want to miss it as he's live in studio with us. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.
1: Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. We're joined live in the studio now by someone, well, it's a very talented young man, and he's pursuing his dream of playing college football. Some of us, those dreams end in junior high. That'd be me. (laughs) Others, they end in high school, but he's keeping that dream alive as he's going to be able to have the opportunity to go and play for the Nichols Colonels. Let me tell you a little bit about his background here. He earned all district honors in 2019, in 2020, and then 2021. In 2021, he did so at tight end and at linebacker two different positions, first-team All-District honors. He also earned second-team All-State honors last season at linebacker, and he was his team's defensive co mvp He was a monster. He was a tackling machine. 156 tackles, including 14 tackles for a loss last season alone. It's our privilege to welcome on to RP3 and company the former Ascension Episcopal linebacker, Hayden Cormier joins us now. Hayden, good morning to you, brother. How are you? great. How are you? Doing great, bud. Doing great. All right. Let's go back. I want to go through the process of you deciding to be a preferred walk-on at Nichols. You had some opportunities to go elsewhere. We're going to get to that, dive into that, and why you decided to go play for the Colonels in the Southland Conference. But let's just look back at your career. You're you're an interesting case study for me as someone who – Made an impact early on, but you got better. You progressively got better year to year. You go from honorable mention all-district player to second-team all-district player, then to first-team all-district at two different positions. Just talk a little bit about your evolution as a complete football player there for your team.
2: Well, back in 2019, uh, I was not really prepared to play. I I guess you could say I was a sophomore, and – the guy in front of me, Brody Dellahousie, tore his ACL and him and Blake Pearson were the starters originally. And me and Carson Ronsonet, who actually played with me junior year, were kind of competing for the spot. And Carson was starting for our first season game, like a against Erath, and we had he had like some bad plays and warm-ups I guess something really something happened I don't really know and then I just got thrown in there and ever since then I just never came off the field
1: you get the opportunity to get into the game and then like you said you never left the field how do you stay on the field when you know for for those out there listening for for those that maybe don't understand just what it takes to to be a successful football player to be a starter what, what does it take what does it take from your end to make sure that you not only stay on the field but you thrive once you're on it
2: well, obviously, hard work. Um, you you have to learn. You have to be able to learn a lot. I actually I didn't stay on the field the whole time. I screwed up a lot my sophomore year. <laughs> I, I I did not. I was not perfect. I messed up a lot. You got, you, you got yelled out a few times, did oh, you? Oh my gosh, I, <laughs> I could tell you a lot. But um, yeah, no, I learned a lot. I was open to learning. Um, I took it more seriously my sophomore offseason and into my junior year. But I didn't really take it as serious as I did. Like, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with football my junior season. That's whenever it was like, I want to keep on playing this. And um, just to kind of stay on the field, just, you know, stay consistent, hard work, you know, be smart.
1: Was there a moment during that junior season or maybe even leading up to the junior season that the kind of the the light bulb went off for you where you're like, you know what, I, I want to do this and I want to be able to play in college? Was there a particular game or play or anything like that?
2: Um. It was kind of it was kind of both. Um, one guy I always looked up to his name's Matt Remede, He plays for Tulane now. He's a I think he's a preferred walk on at Tulane, but he's doing great there. Uh, he I always looked up to him. He played tight end above me and defensive end for us. Um, and in that Notre Dame game, second round of the playoffs, uh, we lost. We lost obviously. And after that game, it was like, you know, it just kind of clicked for me. Like, man, I love this sport, and. We, I, I don't know how long we sat there, but me and me and Matt sat on that field and talked, because that was our last game together, obviously, and we we talked for a while, but that's kind of like just where it clicked for me, you know. Like I got that game, I was like, you know, I want to, I want to keep on playing.
1: Most people, most competitors, will take defeats, setbacks, and turn that into fuel for success, and that's kind of what you've done as well. So. You, you decide, okay, I want to improve even more. I want to take my game to the next level. What were some of the things that you personally did? You mentioned the hard work. But what were some of the things that you did to get your body uh, even uh, more prepared for your senior season and for college football? What were some of the things that you worked on in the off season when people weren't watching, when people weren't looking, when you weren't even around your teammates?
2: Uh, I mainly did speed work, um, speed and agility work. The strength, I I just kind of continued to do what I was doing from sophomore to junior. And it's it's still increased. You know, I I still got better in that aspect. But speed and agility was what I needed mainly. And also dietary supplement stuff. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, you you do a lot of that. You do stuff that's right for your body, and it it works a lot.
1: So... You go through the process, you're like, okay, I want to play college football. You start working on other things, taking better care of your body, putting in the extra work and everything like that. But for a lot of guys, to get that recognition and to maybe, especially a guy from a smaller school like, like you are, you, you try to get into many, as many camps as possible because that's where a lot of guys get seen by college scouts, by recruiters. What was that like for you? What did you do between your junior and your senior seasons to kind of get more noticed?
2: That was actually something I did not do a lot of. I went to one camp. I went to the UL football camp July in the 20-something, 20-something, I forgot what day it was last year specifically, but I went to one camp, and, I I mean, I did good, I thought. I didn't do amazing, but obviously I didn't go to a lot of camps. Um, I I couldn't tell you why. I didn't really think of it, but... Uh, it was just
1: maybe just not on your radar to do yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I just didn't really think of it that much. You know, I thought maybe I could just stand up my senior year and continue to just try and work as much as possible as I can in the off season, which I, it worked out in the end, but that's probably something I, I should have done more.
1: Give me the process. You know, look, you're trying to do two things at once. Your senior season, you're focused on your senior season. Obviously, You want to win as many games as possible. You want to win a district championship. You want to uh, take a deep playoff run. That's what your main focus is because it's your last year playing high school ball. But at the same time, you're also trying to make a name for yourself and trying to field, where am I going to go to school? People are calling you. Recruiters are calling you. You're trying to set up visits, whether that's Zoom or in person. How do you juggle all of that?
2: Um, Well, you know, it wasn't really that difficult. I had – a, a select amount of schools that were interested in me. So, I mean, it wasn't like I had 30 offers, you know. Right. So, it wasn't as tough as it may seem. I had uh, – after the season is when I got all – the no, no, I, I got noticed the most. I didn't get anything during the season. I got everything postseason.
1: Did that – if you don't mind me, did that help you, Hayden, just kind of keep your focus on your senior season instead of being kind of – just right, yeah. because so many guys – I know, say, sometimes it becomes a big distraction, mm-hmm. right, Do, the recruiting process. Your offers don't come until after your season. So I guess in a way that just kind of lets you relax a little bit and just focus in on, the, on what was uh, in front of you, and that was your season, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously it kept me, like, focused on my senior season mainly because I didn't know what was going to be my last game and what wasn't, you know. That's that, right. That's that's kind of how I played as whenever I had the opportunity. And – um that, the last game against LCA, I, I didn't know if it was going to be my last game or not, so it was very emotional, um, and hopefully it, it's not.
1: <laughs> I, I hear you, brother. I hear you. We're talking with former Ascension Episcopal linebacker Hayden Cormier joins us here. He has uh, committed to play football for the Nichols Colonels as a preferred walk-on. All right, so your season wraps up, and you start to get some offers, and you had legitimate scholarship offers out there just not from any teams in state you know can you share with us who those schools were and how much of a debate was it for you internally to to decide not to go there because obviously they were offering you a scholarship
2: uh it was i had two offers out of state from Stockton college in canton missouri i believe and dakota state university and um both those schools very adamant to have me play there they were both very like I guess caring towards me and uh did you take visits no I did not um I was I was still kind of like holding out you know I was I I researched the schools obviously but I was still kind of like holding out for something in state and uh you know I'm, I'm I'm I appreciate those schools so much for taking a chance on me putting putting their faith into me but, you know, I still wanted to stay home. I love Louisiana. Uh, couldn't tell you why. I just, you know, <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, this is your home. This yeah, is your home. It makes a lot of sense. So
1: they recruited you, but you never got to the point of going on a visit. So you were you you were holding out hope that someone would come with an offer, whether that was a scholarship or preferred walk-on. So l- let me ask you that. How did we get to the point where Nichols offered you to come on as a preferred walk-on? Go, walk us through that process.
2: Um, well, I, I believe it was after – you know the uh, Gridiron All-Star game? Yes, sir. I played in that, and after that game, it started to, like, kind of stir up. And Coach Christofield, the offensive coordinator for Nichols, he was he ended up uh, texting me – or calling me, um, I believe, about two months after the game. And he, he said, we want to offer you as a preferred walk-on to come play here. And I was like, well, that sounds amazing. He was like – he was like, "Yeah, we, we can get you here for a visit sometime soon." And uh, I went like January, late January, to go on a visit. And I, I, I love the campus. It's a very underrated school in Louisiana.
1: I Always enjoy going down there for the Manning Passing Academy. I mean, I've covered some games there too, um, uh, for Nichols uh, football. Other opponents playing there, and it is a little underrated. It, it gets a, it gets a, a bit of a bad rap down there. Uh, what's been your impression of uh, head coach Tim Rebo? Used to be a former raging Cajun assistant coach has done a tremendous job down there with the colonel's programs made them nationally ranked and winning fcs playoff games so uh, what's your impression and of of your new head coach
2: um i don't know him that well personally but i did meet him whenever i went on the visit he seems like a very well-respected guy he's a very nice guy um he just he just seems like a good coach you know like I, i i i just got that feeling
1: did you have any other preferred walk-on opportunities elsewhere, or was Nichols the only one? I did not.
2: I went on a game visit to UL and La Tech, but that didn't start. That didn't lead anywhere else. But uh, yeah, no other opportunities. That was the only one.
1: We'll, we'll wrap it up with this, brother. Uh, how grateful are you that you know you're going to have the opportunity to be a preferred walk-on and get to uh, get an opportunity to possibly play college football and get to do so in your home state of Louisiana? your family and friends can come to home games they even come to most of your road games. Cause they're going to be near, uh, near where you live. And uh, Just, just how grateful and how blessed do you feel to to have this opportunity?
2: I can't, I can't put it into words, honestly. It's, it means the world to me, you know, um, it's something I, I, I never really wanted to do it until my junior year. Like I said, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I can't put it into words. It's just something I'm so grateful for, something I'll I'll never I'll, I'll have to pay Coach Christophel back eventually. <laughs> but um, Well, he's
1: got, you know what he's going to say is that you, you just put in the work in the classroom and on the field, and uh, that that's how you can pay him back. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's going to boil down. Brother, appreciate you making the time, man. Thank you so much for stopping by the studio. Uh, when you head out to, uh, for campus? I leave August 4th. Wow. Enjoy your time here at home. Stay safe and uh, go down there and uh, make everyone proud back in Acadiana, brother. Thank you so much. I will. Thank you for having me. That's former Ascension Episcopal linebacker Hayden Cormier joined us here inside the studio. Hey, had scholarship offers go out outside, outside of the state of Louisiana. He decided to stay inside the state. He wanted to play his college ball in Louisiana, and he's going to do so as a preferred walk-on down in Thibodeau at Nichols University. He's going to play for Tim Rebo and the Colonels. Best of luck to him we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show, give you the final results of the poll question of the day, and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, I need to take a moment here to thank all of our guests for helping kicking off this week. Final week for me before the vacation begins. Good strong start to the week. Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio, talking all things LSU with Jeff Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, talking all things Vermilion and White, and of course previewing Sun Belt Conference Media Days. Just a reminder, that's where we'll be tomorrow and Wednesday. We'll be broadcasting live from the Hotel Sherrington in downtown New Orleans. For Sunbelt Conference Media Days, not only will RP3 and company be there, as we're taking over the Big Easy, so will Kevin Foote in footnotes and crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. That's right. We will be live and local from Sunbelt Conference Media Days. And, of course, all of our coverage is going to be presented by Next Home Cutting Edge Realty and the Wetlands. Can't wait to deliver all these great guests, coaches, players, and so much more. Even the commissioner is going to be stopping by. Also, want to take a moment to thank Hayden Cormier, Ascension Episcopal linebacker who's going to try to pursue his college career as a preferred walk-on with the Nichols Colonels. So thanks to them for starting off the week on the right foot. Thanks to all the callers we had. It was good stuff today. Had some great phone calls. Poll question of the day. It was a good one. Who is the best team in Major League Baseball, not named the Houston Astros? That's right, not named the Astros. Astros once again begin the second half of the season sweeping the Yankees in a twin bill on Thursday and then snapping the Mariners' 14-game winning streak and then turning around and sweeping the hottest team in baseball. They're going to begin a three-game set against the Oakland Athletics in Oakland tonight, first pitch 840. You can listen to that game live right here on the game, of course. Your home for Houston Astros. But who's the best team in Major League Baseball, not named the Astros? Final results, 36% of you say the Los Angeles Dodgers, 31% say the New York Yankees, 26% say the Atlanta Braves, and only 7% say the New York Mets. Steve says, time to get extra salty. One, text Fondo, find out who is his least favorite choice. Three, make a future World Series bet on that team and laugh all the way to the bank. Hashtag, bet with Nick go broke quick. Saltiness from Steve about our guy Nick Fondo. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thanks to the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, who showed up to work despite her team being swept. That's the that's a real fan right there. That's a real fan. I'm proud of you. Kevin's proud of you. We're all proud of you. Mariners are still in the hunt for the wild card. For the producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch, the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine, but live from New Orleans. Until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.